It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. It's Wednesday the 29th of March. You're watching Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley-Brewer, on Talk. Coming up, channel migrants will be moved from hotels to a giant barge and military bases under government plans to deter people from coming to the UK. Meanwhile, public satisfaction with the NHS has plummeted to a record low. And TV presenter Paul O'Grady, shot to fame as comic drag act Lily Savage, has died at the age of 67. The time right now is 6.33. This is Talk Breakfast. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. An awful lot to talk about today. Um, Channel migrants once again very much in the news. Uh, also, of course, that terrorist threat in Northern Ireland uh, raised uh, yesterday to severe. Uh, and of, uh, of, of course, we're going to be talking more about the NHS, not just that uh, NHS satisfaction. So we're going to talk to the Shadow Health Secretary, Wes Streeting, and this also after Jeremy Corbyn, former leader of the, of the Labour Party, uh, two elections uh, is actually uh, going to be blocked from standing as a uh, Labour candidate in the next election, which is strange because Keir Starmer's done that, despite the fact that um, he seemed for the last two elections to be quite happy to try and elect him as Prime Minister. Uh, we'll talk about all of that and plenty more stories besides with Russell Quirk, political commentator, talk TV that's favourite, I should say, uh, who is joining us this morning. Good morning well, to you. Thank you very much. Good morning. In your, in your best, Cardi. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's that sort of morning, isn't it? Yes. In, yes, in, yes, in yes, March. Yes. It's, a, it's a Cardi morning. Well, I don't, you don't know what to put on because you don't know whether it's going to be kind of minus three or whether it's going to be 15 degrees. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, for me, always hot water bottle. If in doubt, always hot water bottle. Mm. Um, let's talk about the Channel Migrant story. 
Yeah. Um, this is uh, at front page of a lot of the papers today. Uh, this is that uh, uh, migrants were moved from hotels where they are currently blocking up, ho- I mean, huge number of hotels, uh, to a giant barge and two military bases under government plans to deter people from coming to the UK. Uh, the ministers uh, later on today are going to announce that uh, they procured an accommodation barge, whatever the hell that is, capable of holding hundreds of migrants. It's being refitted. Uh, they think it will have a deterrent effect. Of course, we also know uh, that circulars are basically buying up block booking for, you know, two years, three years, hotels. five years yes. in advance of hotels. Uh, like, hilarious. So we know that actually when you look at the backlog of, what, 100,000 plus migrants and the rest, um, a few hundred being in a, on a barge, you know, bad luck, you got the bad one. Everyone else is in a four-star hotel somewhere. Seems um, to be somewhat odds with the government narrative, though, that doesn't yes, it? Yes, doesn't it? Um, mm. do, you, uh, do you think that this is the sort of measure that will deter people? I mean, again, we're told if these people are really desperate, to be fair, yeah. France is fairly war-torn at the moment, but if, if, if people really are desperate, then they'll be glad to be but on a barge. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to think it's a deterrent. Um, you know, whether it actually ends up being, whether it actually ends up happening, I suppose, is the question. You know, the, the government now, of course, have to be in election mode. So the, the Conservative government, as they're supposed to be, now need to start to look and feel a bit like Conservatives, which perhaps they haven't for the last two or three maybe, years. Maybe, so they, maybe they wouldn't be in the mess they're in right now if they had actually been doing that already. Well, yes, but of course, we've seen this for, what, two or three years now, repeated rhetoric and headlines yeah. from Priti Patel, Rishi Sunak, yeah. obviously Boris Johnson... Uh, previously, and, uh, and now Rishi Sunak with regard to getting to grips with this particular problem. Well, Swella Braverman, I mean, I think, I've got no doubt at all that Priti Patel and Swella Braverman are actually serious about this. I don't think Rishi uh, Sunak or, or Boris Johnson, we know Boris Johnson wasn't serious about it. He wanted an amnesty yes. uh, for millions of illegal migrants still here in the country. I mean, people who came here legally and then just overstayed. Um, but um, but I've no being... doubt at all that Patel and Braverman are actually serious about it. I don't think Patel has the ability to get things done in the same way Suella Braverman has. Yeah. But And also the, the imperative of an election coming. Um, but but I, I, the question is, is you know whether there is the political will in the country to do it. Well, I think there is in the country. I, I think most people that seem to be polled on the fact that, and it obviously depends how you ask the question, yeah. uh, but should we be in control of our own borders? Should we decide ourselves who comes into this country? And you and your we, crazy ideas. Should we actually know who they are and whether they are criminals? And, and so on. I, I think most right-minded people would say, yes, I think that makes a bit of sense. Uh, I guess there are two problems here, apart from political will. One is the civil service, who mm-hmm. I think are obstructive from what I can see. Well, it's, funny, it's, it's terrible. They're terribly incompetent, and yet the only thing they are competent at is, is being obstructive. Being obstructive, because they have their own political agenda, I think. And of course, yeah. I think the civil service have become incredibly powerful on the basis that, of course, there's been political turmoil for the last yeah. few years. Uh, and the other problem, of course, is the, the, the legal aspect in terms of the ECHR and uh, uh, you can imagine all of the liberal yogurt knitting lawyers now <laughs> sitting there rubbing their hands thinking, well, look, every Here single one of these migrants is a case for me to get my teeth into. Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, we have seen, I mean, Tory rebels. We spoke to one of those, Jonathan Gullis, yesterday, uh, Circle Trent North MP. Um, I mean, they sort of backing down as that they feel that they're getting enough measures in this this uh, legal migration bill that they think it won't be facing challenge after challenge, because that's the point. At some point, and people can say, oh, well, this is a party that's going to deal with this. Or this is the government's going to deal with this. At some point, you actually then have to deal with it. Yes. You do. Um, I mean, this is the thing. Every single measure that's been announced by Rishi Sunak or any of his ministers in recent weeks, whenever we've done a, a you know, a, a question in or and I know listening to other shows, phone ins, it, it is extraordinary how often people just say, yeah, it's a good idea. 
I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Well, and the fact that we don't trust politicians, surprise, surprise, and perhaps nor should we <gasps> because of their record of late. Uh, yeah, look, and, and I think everybody is is quite entitled to be sceptical, particularly when government says, yeah, don't worry about the ECHR now, we're going to get round that. And you think, well, if you're going to get How? round that this week, why didn't you get round yeah. it last year, the year before, yeah, the year before exactly, that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, look, let's talk about something else that's another big issue for voters. I mean, one of the things that the, uh, the Prime Minister said he wants to tackle, and that is the NHS, with his massive waiting list. My, my mother called me yesterday to say how excited she was, as a former GP, by the way, at the age of 80, that she's getting a face-to-face meeting with her GP. I mean, isn't it incredible that that should be celebrated? That is something you actually call your daughter. Oh, you'll never guess what I'm doing tomorrow, she said. Uh, and, and I didn't guess that one because I didn't think that still happened. This wonderful institution, the NHS, yeah. that, of course, we can't criticise because then you get lambasted. Well, then uh, you're then you're evil in some way. Well, public satisfaction. This is according. This is the British Social Attitude Survey. They've been doing it for decades, and they ask the same questions in the same format again and again, and it gives a very very good idea of where people are. Uh, and public satisfaction with the NHS has fallen to a record low. In 19, sorry, in 2010, sorry, in 2010, so just 13 years ago, the public satisfaction was net 70%. It's now just 29%. That, by the way, is a survey taken before the winter strikes hit, yep. and before the waiting list actually hit a record time, and they've just been creeping up and up, um, occasionally sort of you know, dipping down a tiny bit, then going back up and up as more people get into the system. Um, I mean, I'm I'm still amazed there are 29% of people who are satisfied. Well, let's not forget this is an institution that costs us as the taxpayer. It's, it's not, not government money, it's our money. £190 billion. And this yeah. government and successive governments have ploughed more and more and more money into it. I think we've rehearsed to the cows come home that this is not just a question of throwing more money at yeah. this. What I want to see criticised, what I want to see scrutinised are not the health secretary and the government, because, of course, they're incredibly removed from the frontline NHS. Mm. Why don't we ever criticise the NHS trust CEOs? Yeah. Oh, the I do. The people that run the, the NHS. The NHS chief NHS. executive. But they're hiding. They're hiding behind the politics of this. Yeah. If... We want to see improvement. I think that's where we need to look. Because well, exactly, that's where it's, it's management, will come from. and that's what we hear really, from frontline workers all the time. You know, I've, I've got no doubt at all; they're all working very hard. Um, and one of the reasons why we see the strikes, one of the reasons why we see people just go, I, "I just don't want to stay in this job anymore," is that they're feeling under pressure. Meanwhile, if you look at uh, uh, any you know NHS trust uh, job uh, um, uh, openings, I mean, you know, it's all net zero officer, diversity officer, HR officer, yeah. people who don't actually. I mean, I know you still need to have people who make sure that your workforce. Also looking well. You need to have a certain number of people who do the actual admin. But not you can't get percent of all. Not of your exactly. Workers. I mean, this is the key thing. It just can't. It, it just can't be the case that that's what that's how many you need. I think there are just an awful lot of people. You know, my rule: if you're on a holiday and no one needs to replace you. Yes. Maybe there's a giveaway that maybe maybe your job is not that vital to the organisation, and in, and also particularly in any organisation like that, public you know publicly funded. Um, the question needs to be asked every single day: is is what are you adding? To, to, to patient outcomes. You know, how, how many lives are going to be saved or people's better quality of life because you do your job every day? And, and if, yeah, well, you know, I, if you're doing a crucial job where you're doing the staff rotors, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But how much admin do that many people need, really? No, I think look, it's obviously become bloated. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt about that. There are too many people that are non-clinicians. And, and there's a hesitance uh, in in terms of actually just diving in and being able to criticise, which therefore leads mm. to scrutiny to try and improve some of these things. I mean, as an example, you know, we spend £9 billion, I say we, the taxpayer, £9 billion a year on free prescriptions. Yeah. £9 billion. Whenever you go and get your prescription, the pharmacist will often say, 
do you get your prescriptions yes. for nothing? And of course, everybody says, oh, yes, yes, I do. Well, I suggest that we could probably halve that nine billion. Well, pounds the main thing is the a lot right of these prescriptions, prescriptions, a prescription that we went paying a fortune for, which is something like paracetamol, which you can get for 35 p. 30 million quid that costs. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. There are lots of things we just don't, they don't need to be. I mean, God, I'm, it's like, it's like the HRT prescription when it, when it was like sort of 18 quid every three months. Like, oh, give me a break. Yeah. This is ridiculous. You, you and this, I could save five billion yeah. pounds now. If we were tasked with doing such a thing for the NHS, oh no, but, I, that, the but in a week months. we could just go in and see these things. That's the thing. And again, it's just so frustrating that there's no will to do this because all the people who are who are in charge of these things are all on bloated salaries. Yeah. Um, and and you know, and of course they're all like these constant sort of HRE training courses and and um, you know race awareness courses or you trans awareness courses instead of just getting on and doing the job. Um, I spoke to someone at the weekend actually who uh, is involved with the nurse training. Uh, and they told me that, you know, they'd had everything sorted because cruise nurses do their courses and, of course, they do work in hospitals. And they're actually quite crucial parts of the uh, the, the NHS workforce in terms of getting a lot of stuff done on the wards. You know, they're, they're still training, but they use, you know, they're hands on deck, effectively. Yes. And how they'd got it all sorted and they'd we, we, you know, worked out that you know, got the whole rotor sorted for all the staff of the, these these trainee nurses. And, and, then, and then the local hospital said... Oh no no, we want them on this day, this day, these weeks, and these weeks, and it was during term time. So of course they they weren't able to go work then. I mean, so you've got someone who's probably paid two hundred and fifty grand a year, yeah. who's who's making a decision about when they want these training nurses in, who doesn't even know when university staff time, you know, term no. times are, and no one bothered to have a conversation with the person who sorted it out. And you think. We're paying all your wages. Yes, and also a system, of course, where yeah. you have nurses that take themselves out of the NHS only to be put back in as freelancers yeah. via these agencies. Good for them, I are, say. Well, good for them as a free market concept. I get that. Yeah. But how ridiculous that there's this huge margin now being made by the yeah. private sector because the NHS can't organise itself properly enough to yeah. organise their nurses in a Indeed. sufficient fashion. I'm um, just finding, before we go to a break, let's talk about a TV presenter, comedian. Of course, I first saw him as, as Lily Savage so many years ago, uh, a drag actor just superb um, Paul O'Grady has died at the age of 67 peacefully in sad. his sleep um, by all accounts you often you hear about celebrities that they, you, know, you hear like oh you know mm, yeah they're lovely on the screen uh, behind the scenes not so much not the case with Paul you know massive animal lover we know he's always working for charities real sweetheart apparently yeah yeah and 67 is no age now is it no I, do you know that sad. was my first thought was that apparently he has had a lot of illness over the years but I mean but but he's you know taking over blankety blank I mean he's gone from being something it was called, you know, quite on the yeah. you know on the edges of, of performing you know drag act to being you know mainstream you know well, prime going, yeah, time a, a, a caricature cartoon like yeah. character almost to being actually quite quite a serious entertainer stroke broad Cast. and I think it's terribly terribly sad and I was actually really shocked by it this morning yeah and as you say 67 mm, that no is age. that used to be age you go oh 67 now yeah that that it seems uh, absolutely no age at all doesn't it very Terrible very shame. sad very sad for his husband uh, and his family and uh, but uh, we'll be talking about uh, Paul O'Grady's sort of career in his life a little bit later in the show 6.45 is the time this is Talk Breakfast the biggest breaking news stories an outspoken opinion The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio 